As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. Welcome to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. It is my pleasure to introduce Mr. Mark Binky to the Engineer Your Success podcast listeners. Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dr. Bryant. Thank you for having me on. No, man. Thank you for agreeing to come on the show. We're going to include the detailed listing of your bio and the work that you did with Indiana Department of Transportation and VMS and starting Pillar, uh, that'll be included in the show notes. But I do want the audience to get a sense to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, so what would you like to share or even what you wouldn't like to share with the audience uh, that's not included in your bio? <laughs> not included in the bio. Well, I am a husband. been married 27 years to my wife, Mary who I love and adore. We have three children together, two girls and one boy. Both daughters were married this past year. Uh, Back-to-back marriages, yeah, five months apart. Very interesting. One was like almost a COVID marriage where we were limited in people. And the other one, there was no limitation. So two different weddings, but uh, they were very, very fun and enjoyable and, and just great time. Now, my son's a junior in high school and loves soccer and is trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. Yeah, I was born in Chicago. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, adolescence in Connecticut, went to college at Rose Holman Institute of Technology in Indiana. And I started there my career uh, with a consulting firm and moved to NDOT. And then I got a job in Southwest Virginia that moved me there. And I've been here ever since 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. 22 years. And yeah, I guess that makes it. That's about right. I think yeah. we met in uh, 2003, 2000, was it? No, it was earlier than that. Earlier than that, like, right? It was like 2001, 2001, yep. 2001 something 2001. like that. 2001, wow. Yeah, it's been a So I remember coming down to Southwest Virginia, being the project engineer. Actually, I was in the office. You were like the project engineer talking about the different things that we had to do. And I loved working with you. Always was a wealth of knowledge and practical information and skills. And so I really appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. Today in general, you know, I want people to walk away with some general success principles that you've been able to deploy. You've been able to see throughout your career, you know, both when you were working for someone and also now that you own a business, tell us a little bit more about the business that you own, that you currently own now. Oh, sure. Sure. Well, the business, when I first started it back in 2002, it was primarily a site civil surveying firm. So site civil engineering and survey firm. We basically did construction projects and developments, designed the developments, stormwater, site plans, erosion, sediment control, did construction stakeout, did surveying, land surveying, boundary surveys, topographic surveys, did, did the gamut of the site civil typical engineering surveying firm until 2008 when the whole housing market 
kind of started going down. Our, our revenue started going down, had to, had to, you know, lay some people off and, and cut back on hours and just wasn't, was in a, a tough spot. And we pivoted, uh, had, had to do something. So we changed and we pivoted into operations and maintenance of infrastructure. Luckily, VDOT came out with a contract for operations and maintenance consulting services. And based on my previous work experience and some knowledge and connections that we had in the industry still, I went ahead and submitted the proposal for that contract and was one of five that got awarded the contract. And ever since we slowly morphed into a infrastructure operations and maintenance consulting advisory firm. Uh, we, we help DOTs and municipalities as well as P3 stakeholders with maintenance and operations of, of how to you know do what you've got, work with what you've got, and, and try to make everything last as long as it can with the budgets they've got to get a good state, good state of good repair. Oh, that is awesome. And I know that uh, you, you kind of are, are a technology geek, at least I would say you're a technology geek. So what fun and interesting new products and things that you have that you're cooking up right now that you can talk about? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I can talk about uh, mobile LIDAR seems to be the, the hot topic button these days. And, and we've got uh, a mobile LIDAR machine, an optic unit that we utilize as, as part of our corporate vision and, and how we go about doing our job. We, we break it into four phases of collection, assessment, planning, and execution. And on the collection side of things, we utilize mobile LIDAR to go out and scan the roads, uh, get the point cloud data, and then automatically extract all of the assets. We classify it via algorithms and deep learning of pictures and all that fancy mumbo jumbo tech stuff that is all hot topic buttons now. And, and we use that to... Uh, automatically extract the features and, and get some classifications on them uh, for the stuff that can be seen. There's, there's pipes we can determine through uh, algorithms and the terrain modeling from the, the uh, point cloud. What we identify as the ground, we can determine low spots and say, okay, there should be a pipe there. And then through geo-referencing uh, the original plan sheets of the design of the road, Typically, there is a pipe there. We can draw that in, and, and sometimes the pipes are a little bit off. Sometimes there's another pipe that's been added. But for the most part, we can kind of get almost everything out of the point cloud. Uh, some stuff you still got to put your physical eyes on. You could climb down the bank and look inside the pipe to make sure the pipe's good. But for the most part, you know, measure bridge heights, measure guardrail heights, check to make sure the guardrail end terminals is right, striping. Uh, the, the latest thing we're working on. Uh, I can't divulge too much of it, but is we're trying to get a daytime retro reflectivity uh, instrument working so that as we're going down the road with the mobile LIDAR, we can also capture the retro reflectivity of the signs. And there's a combination of that and some pavement sensors that we're trying to incorporate, uh, trying to just save time and save money for the DOTs when we go down and collect all this information and try to get different things with one basket, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I think that is really exciting Again, I know you guys have been working on some of these things, you know, just and thank you for sharing more about Pillar and what you all are doing. So, and you, you know, you talked about early in your career and business and you mentioned your family. I, I really love that you started talking about your family. You know, I'm a big proponent of work-life balance and that you can win at work and at home. 
And I really love that you've started that. How have you been able to find that balance and overcome some of the challenges that being a business owner may present when you have kids and you're married and you're actively engaged with your family? Uh, one thing that helps is the fact that I own my own business. Uh, <laughs> you're able to not be stuck in, you know, like a counter job or a spot where you got to clock in and clock out and have to be present. That That is a nice thing about owning the business and the business we in, I'm, I'm flexible enough that I, if my son's got a soccer game, I can, I can take time off in the afternoon and go see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that usually means that night I'm working on something, <laughs> you know, emails or doing something at night. But uh, that flexibility is, is one of the reasons why I started my own business was, was so that I could spend time with the family and spend time doing, doing things that aren't all work, so to speak. If you're like most of us, As you have developed in your career as a business owner, your definition of success may have changed. (laughs) That sure has. That sure has over time. So what would be your definition of success now? I think happiness and comfort is success right now. It's I'm in a comfortable spot and and comfort is kind of can be defined in different ways. I I guess calm and not stressed is the comfort spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and happiness is just, I'm able to do, do what, what I can do. You know, there's certain things I can't do that are, I'm restricted on doing, whether it's financial or time, but for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm pretty content with what's going on. So, uh, so you've been able to build the life that has been able to provide you fulfillment from a professional perspective and a personal perspective. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's not. Uh, you know, there, there's some sacrifice that you do in order to do that. Like I'm not a top executive at a major firm uh, as a partner um, in making six or seven figures uh, because I've dedicated my life to that firm. No, I, but at the same time, I've got, I've got everything I need and everything I want. And, and I got my family and got the relationships and, you know, can do things when I need to do them. No, no, Mark, I believe that that's absolutely awesome. I mean, I think a lot of people go into starting a business with that in mind, but they don't necessarily get to the point where their business is working for them. They're working all of the time for their business and not necessarily being able to allocate that time for family or for themselves. Yeah, I would say at the start, especially entrepreneurs starting off with their own business, you put in a lot of work, a lot of hours. You get to a point though, where you just can't, you can't handle it all. It's one or the other. You, you got to either say, learn to say no, learn to delegate and trust in the people that you've got around you that they can handle the job. Otherwise everything's going to collapse. Either your, your marriage will collapse or the business will collapse or something just won't fit. You've got to have that balance and, and you've got to have that right mindset going in to, to know when to say no, know when to give something up and, and know when that you can, you can take it over. At Banowitz Marketing, we succeed when you succeed. Build a thriving family business with great marketing that actually works. How? Start with comprehensive marketing direction and a clear action plan. Then get attentive expert help and choose whether that help comes as done-for-you services or as done-with-you guidance. Visit us at thrivingfamilybusiness.com to get started today. No, I think that's excellent advice. Have you 
incorporated your family at all in some of the business things that you've been developing, some of the ideals or products or just in general? That That's a tough one because my kids, the, the girls, Bridget and Gretchen, they, they went into the medical field. Uh, they didn't want to really be an engineer. They, they like the medical field. So they're, they're in that, that field. Lars is, he's, he's kind of mechanically oriented, not, not civil oriented as far as structures and construction. He's more into mechanics and engines and things. So he's, his interest is not really there, but yeah, they, they've been incorporated in the business where they help clean the office. And uh, I've, I've taken them out on snow, snow runs at night and we manage snow and, and uh, they've done that. And, you know, Lars has helped me with, with the salinity measurement device that we're, we're in the process of getting patented and, and trying to make it work to measure the salt content in the, uh, the water spray coming off the road to help help uh, environmentally not spend as much on salt and save some money there and, and be environmentally conscious when it comes to winter weather operations. So he's helped me in that aspect, but it's not like he's uh, jumping at the bit to, to come on board and become a, become a civil engineer and, and, and take over the business. No, I think what you're describing, though, is the was the intent of the question. So many times we are working in our careers or you may develop a goal but we don't necessarily incorporate our family into our process and what we're trying to do. And I think it's important to incorporate them so that they can know what your, you know, what your vision is, what you're trying to do, and then they can help support that. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. My wife's very supportive in what I do, what I do and, and gives me the time and realizes, Hey, I, there's certain things I got to do at the very outset. She was, uh, how should I say it? She only liked to hear the positives and like to hear the negatives. And yeah. I basically said, it's all or nothing. You know, you're going to, if I'm going to tell you anything about it, it's going to be good and bad. So you're going to have to deal with the good as well as the bad. And she's like, well, I can't handle the bad. That's just too stressful. I said, well, then you don't hear the good either. You're just, (laughs) you're just going to just know that I got to do it and everything's going to be okay. And it'll all work out. And that's, that's how we kind of operate right now. And now when we do have a good big win success, I tell her about that and she's, she's happy and, and we celebrate together the wins. Now you've talked about, just some general success principles, learning how to say no, you know, really being able to delegate, trusting the people that you've hired on your team or the people that you're you're contracting with. Um, and so I think those are great kind of success principles for people to walk away from, you know, this conversation with. Are there any other things that you would like to share with uh, the audience? Just about success, about what you're doing, about where you are, just is anything. The, the floor is yours. Oh, okay. Well, I'll I'll just take up all your time right now. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, you've got you've got a lot of other things to be successful and and you know that you got to do to be successful. And I think learning to say no uh, is is one of them. You can't take on everything. You want to take on everything, but you can't take on everything. And you got to be able to pick and choose and figure out which one's the best way. To do it with saying no is also listening. You got to really listen not only to your employees but to your clients, uh, prospective clients. Listen and figure out how you can help help them. Admitting your mistakes, uh, you know, being truthful and honest about what's going on. You know, if you make a mistake, it, it's a lot easier to just say, "Hey, sorry, I messed up." But what can we do to make this better? Or, oh, we ran into a problem. Uh, this is the problem. I know we didn't talk about it. Let's address it. Uh, you know, being honest and upfront and communicating with, with, with everybody, not only your clients, but, but your employees, 
communication is just key. It's easier to be honest and upfront and open as opposed to trying to hide and trying to circumvent stuff because then you're exerting all your energy and trying to cover something up when you can just move on. And, and if you do it right and explain things correctly and people understand and they'll be a little bit more forgiving and, and will work with you as opposed to if you try to cover something up or hide it or or just plug and chug without without open lines of communication. So and then and then of course adapt adaptation, you gotta adapt to what you're doing. If if something's not working, you gotta you gotta move off of it and change and pivot uh and, and be willing to try something new. Even if it's even if it's working, you know, it's it's not you know what's that saying, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You still need to be trying something new. If it's, if, even if it is working, there's a better way, there's an easier way. And you just gotta you gotta find it and always be be advancing and progressing. Otherwise, you're not the lead dog. That's kind of kind of kind of our mantra here is if you're not the lead dog, the, the view never changes. So you, we want to be that lead dog and, and being directing and steering where we're going. No, oh, no, I think that is awesome. Um, I recently gave similar advice doing an episode for a year in review, just being able to look back over your past year and don't just look at the things that didn't work but take time to look at the things that did work so that you may be able to tweak those things to move those from good to great. If you're only looking at the areas where uh, you know you need to grow, then I think you miss an opportunity to kind of tweak those areas and move into excellence um, You know, as you continue to make the changes and adjustments that are needed. Yeah, you definitely need to, you need to look at what, what you failed as well as what was successful so you can replicate that success in other areas. Mark, there are a few other questions that I really wanted to cover. What piece of advice would you give to an engineer that's about to start their career or an engineer that's moving from being an engineer to a manager? That That's great, great food for thought there as, as you move from, from one type of work situation to another because if you're moving from just being an engineer that's behind a desk doing calculations and, and doing CAD and not really being out there selling the company or, or becoming a, um, a manager, moving into the managerial role, you're starting to manage other people and starting to sell and promote the, the business, you really need to develop some skills, people skills, emotional intelligence, communication, how to recognize different personalities and, and how to adjust. I would I would say that's it. I'd say, you know, sharpen your negotiation skills. I'm, I'm currently reading a book about negotiation skills on, on how to approach negotiations and, and go that route. You got to be able to understand a financial statement. That, that was one of the probably the toughest things that I had. I was never involved with the money side of the business. I was always just plugging and jugging. And all of a sudden, I'm a business owner and I got money I got to deal with. And well, how do I read a financial statement? You know, what what key performance indicators uh, or key financial indicators am I looking at to make sure I'm on the right track? And so that was a big, quick, steep learning curve on, on how to do that. Uh, and if, if you're working for a firm, you know, billing structure, what's your billing structure? How do you, how do you track and, and, and figure out um, percent billable and are they utilizing their time correctly? So there's, there's a whole aspect of the business side. Once you become a manager that you, that as, as a regular, I guess, worker, uh, worker B, you don't really know and don't really pay any attention to. I mean, you might have a budget, your, your manager might say, Hey, here's our budget. Don't exceed this. And so you keep track of your time, but there's other factors once you get outside of, of the regular work 
daily day to day work that you do and you start looking at the bigger picture you got you got to take those financials and emotional skills and people skills and all of that into effect because you're really moving away from being an engineer into a whole other realm of dealing with people people is a big part of what you do once you transition from doing the analysis doing the design when you're talking to people, you're, you're client facing, when you're understanding what their issues are and you're really listening and trying to develop your messages and what you're doing in the way in which they can actually move with it, you absolutely have to have that emotional intelligence piece. I think that is absolutely great advice. What are some of the challenges that you currently see our industry facing? I think artificial intelligence and machine deep learning is really a big, a big nebulous that's out there that some people don't understand. Some people understand the long short of it is artificial intelligence and deep machine learning is going to take jobs because it's automation. It's going to just, it's just a fact of life. So you got to figure out what else can you do in the interim. And at the same time though, as an engineer, artificial intelligence and deep learning really lessens your value and commoditizes your product. Because somebody can go to India or China and run an algorithm and boom, there's a bridge design. Whereas you're running computer programs and you're sitting and checking and double checking calculations and someone will sell a bridge design for a fourth of what you're doing it for. Uh, so that and the engineering side of things, that's that's really challenging the industry. And along those same lines of the commoditizing of the industry is, is the PE licensure. What point does having a license really mean something when if somebody's savvy enough with a computer program can design a bridge and say, hey, it meets this criteria and here you go. What's to, to say, well, yeah, you don't need PE licensure. You don't need that stamp. It's not, you know, it's not valuable enough as it used to be in the past. And looking at deep learning and AI, I think you've laid out this whole fact that it's coming, it's here. People are using it. There's some firms that are really leveraging it to help make better decisions. The deep learning and AI may not be driving the sole decision, but they're really equipping firms to make better decisions. What are some things that, you know, you would suggest to prepare of getting, you know, I say I'm, I'm a firm, I'm a key principal. I hear what you're saying. It's not really in my area. I'm not really concerned about it. What are some steps you would suggest that they take to kind of start dipping their toe in the water? I would, I would start by just preliminary research on what exactly is artificial intelligence, what is deep learning, and then think about how that can apply to your industry. Whatever industry you're in, AI and deep learning can can be a part of it. I mean, it's a part of what we do. And I had to really look at it and say, hey, how is this going to affect what we do? And it affects us a lot. And so we have to join and be in that. Now, the question is, how do we utilize it better than somebody else? How do we take advantage of it? To, to better promote ourselves and, and make us stand above somebody else, but it's going to weave its way into everything. I mean, it's, it's already there on the internet. You know, when you, you do a Google search or you order something on Amazon, the next thing you know that, you know, that company yeah. is popping up as an ad yep. when you're looking somewhere else. So it's, it's already there and it's, it's in, inherent in our system and it's going to hit your industry, whether you think it is or not. So you, you might want to go and get a little bit, knowledgeable of exactly what it is and how can it affect you and, and your your industry or your business and, and how can you utilize it to yeah. your advantage. Yeah, I think that that's great. 
advice. And my last question, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about or highlight any charitable organizations that um, that you've worked with or that you're interested in and support. Sure. Yeah. Part part of having the balanced life is is not only working to receive, but also giving back. And I always say the more you give back, you get more out of giving back than you do receiving. And and I say there, there's a lot of stuff and I try to keep everything local, trying to keep it all local uh, besides, you know, the sponsoring of the, the local police and fire departments and stuff like that. We have well four charities that we contribute to here. There's a place called uh, Help Overcoming Poverty's Existence. I don't know. I, I probably won't say it correctly, but they, they just basically help people that need a helping hand. Uh, they're on t- tough times. They'll help with electricity bills. They help with finding a place to, to live, stay for the night. If this person comes through the town and they get stranded, they'll help you know put some money in, in gas and get them on their way. Uh, but the main thing that they really do in the school system is they have what they call hope packs, where kids that don't get a meal, their parents can't afford a meal, they, they create these packs, the meal packs for them to take home with them over the weekend so they can have at least one meal uh, over the weekend. And it's very surprising to see how many kids really are, are going hungry and around the nation. And it's not really talked about, but you know, developing Hope Packs. And Hope also created what's called Open Door Cafe. They, they serve lunch daily, Monday through Friday. And it's basically you pay as much as you feel is necessary. It's, it's an open pay plan. There's no set meal price. There's a suggested donation. But if you can't afford it, you don't have to pay. And if you can't afford it, you put in some money, whether it's 10 bucks, 15 bucks, $7, whatever you can afford. So that those are those, the Hope Ministries is, is what we contribute to a lot. And then there's also the Wick County Public School Foundation for Excellence, which is, is through the schools. It helps bring programs that the school budget can't afford under normal circumstances, which is typically an arts project or a science project or some elective class that normally budget purposes they don't, they can't do, whether it's photography or like I said, art is, is arts is usually the main stuff they hit, uh, whether it's play, whether it's painting. So we, we help contribute to that. And then over the past couple of years in Whitville here, we've had a downtown revitalization, trying to, trying to get Main Street back up and running. And we have one of the oldest theaters in the state here, the Millwall Theater, that was basically become run down. Well, there's a foundation that bought it and is renovating it to back to its original glory and trying to establish it. And we feel that once the, the theater is back in operation, has programs running, it's really going to anchor the downtown. So we contribute to the Millwall Theater uh, restoration and then the Edith Bowling Wilson and, and with the Edith Bowling Wilson was the, the wife of President Wilson she was born here and we have a museum here and, and we support that museum as well so you know we give back to the community because the community has given a lot to us so we, we feel we need to yeah well we don't feel we need to we, we voluntarily give yeah we want to that is awesome you know Mark I, I really appreciate you sharing all of the different things that you're doing. If the listeners want to get in contact with you or find out more about what you have going on, what's the best way for them to reach you? Probably email is, is probably the best way. And then we can either set up a time to talk or I can I can quick quickly answer a question that way. Uh, okay. I, I get, you know, the whole spam calling is, is if it's not a number I recognize, I don't answer it. And, <laughs> you know, it's just the way it is. 
Well, what we'll do is we'll include um, your email address and a link to your website in the show notes. And so if people want to get in contact with you, they can go to your website or they can shoot you an yeah, email. Yeah, but I really to, want to thank to you for your time. Anybody out that, that's willing to help out. You know, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. And I like coaching people, not not to the extent you're coaching people, but, you know, helping out when we can, <laughs> paying it forward. It, it always uh, it always comes out better in the end, helping other people. You're an excellent example of someone who is winning at work and at home, someone who has defined success beyond just the dollars and cents that your company can raise or that you can generate. You're looking at the contributions that you're making to your family, to your community, to your employees, to the state DOTs and municipalities that you serve. And I just want to thank you for being that example. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it, and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life, and it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.